Sunday Sermons from Trinity UMC in Lincoln, a podcast to help on the faith journey. Now on to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Slater. So what this series is about uh, is play, uh, about, uh, it's, it's intentional that we're doing this during the season of Easter, during a time of great joy. Uh, you see joy in all the times uh, Jesus uh, appeared to his disciples even after he uh, had died and rose from the grave, uh, and Easter is always the season of joy. Uh, and whenever you hear from the most holiest of people in the world, there's always a deep sense of joy. And I always figure the holiest of holy people, like the most holy people, did I say that right, uh, uh, tend to be the happiest and tend to be the most playful, even to the point of inciting play in others. Uh, and in the first week of the series, we talked, uh, we had an interview with a play researcher uh, who goes to a United Methodist congregation in Omaha. Uh, and it was so interesting. She told us so much about what it means to play and to be lost in uh, that kind of fun, especially with one another. And one of the quotes that stood out from that is that the opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. And it just, that's one of those quotes that's worked on me ever since. Uh, and all the more reason to make sure we're intentional about having play in our lives in ways that are big or ways that are small. And I want to remind you of the scripture from the very first week because it kind of comes back into play again today. I won't retell the whole story, but it was uh, David, King David, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into uh, Jerusalem. And it, it had been taken and it was as if the presence of God had been removed from the land. Uh, and we have such a, a, a rich understanding now about how God is everywhere. But even today, the symbols of our faith, you know, you hear stories uh, of, of a church, uh, of churches that catch fire or something and somebody always goes and grabs the cross off the altar, you know, the symbol that they can, that they can take out. Uh, it was even more so in the days of David. And so for the ark to be taken by the enemy was such a big thing uh, that to bring it back in was such a time of joy to return it home. And David, in all of the joy of the moment, could not help himself but dance. He couldn't help but dance before the ark. His wife, however, uh, at the time, not so much. Not so much at all. She thought it was undignified. She did not see the joy of the moment and she did not see why he was dancing. Now, admittedly, his wife Michael had pretty good reason to not be happy. There's a whole political background to what was going on. Uh, there, are, there, there are good reasons, some of them David's fault for why Michael was uh, not very happy. Uh, and, and we're going to get more into that here in just a few moments because what we're talking about today is what to do when you're in Michael's shoes. What to do when the joy of the world comes your way and you can't receive it. What do we do when we know we should be happy, when there's happiness around us, when there's good reason to be happy, but we just don't wanna. <laughs> That's what today's service is about, playing when we don't wanna. And it's true, like I said, Michael in, in, that, in the, that first week's scripture, she had good reason to not be happy. Uh, I'm not denying that in the slightest. And, and life is hard. Not every situation in life calls for dancing. It's not always appropriate to play in the ways we usually think about when we say, when we say the word play. 
You know, life's wounds leave us scarred. Life's trials leave us exhausted. The truth is that we're all in that position from time to time. Sometimes, there are, are moments in every life where we are just unable to lose ourselves in the great joy that's always around us. Now, I mentioned that interview the first week of the series with uh, Deborah Wisniewski. And uh, the, uh, another great moment from that interview is that uh, we asked her, uh, what, what, get, what tends to get in the way of play? Does anybody remember her answer? Adults. <laughs> Adults are what tend to get in the way of play. Now, it was a funny moment in the video, right? And, and when I showed you the shortened version here, I edited it right after that laugh line. <laughs> but if you watch the whole video that I posted online later, you know that Deborah immediately jumped back in to the defense of adults. <laughs> she said, you know what, it's understandable though. Yes, adults are what get in the way of play, but as we live our lives, We've been hurt so many times that we like to know what to expect. We like to be in control. And that something about the difficulties of life make it harder to let go, make it harder to let loose. And she had great compassion on that. Uh, and it was a, uh, there's a, there's just as much truth in that as there is in the fact that adults are what usually get in the way of play. We come to crave predictability because grown-up life has very little of it. But that doesn't change the fact that play is a gift from God. And it doesn't change the fact that learning how to play well, even as grown-ups, is important for our mental health. It's important for our walk with God. Now, the Psalms in the middle of the Bible, uh, we just heard one of them. They're a collection of songs and unfortunately the melodies have been lost to the ages because they didn't have any way that we know of uh, of notating uh, uh, musical pitches back then. Oh, wouldn't it be amazing to hear what the Psalms sounded like when they were sang? Uh, but it's a spiritual treasure in the middle of our Bible. And uh, if you, uh, you know, sometimes uh, people not knowing what to read will open the Bible uh, up to the middle. Chances are Psalms is what you're going to hit because it's it's a, uh, it's a, there's a lot of them and it's right near the center of your Bible. And some of the Psalms, uh, oh, and I should say that uh, there are people who read Psalms every day and it becomes part of their walk. Monks and nuns almost always have a tradition of it. Uh, uh, most, uh, most monks and nuns that I've met over the years uh, have, a, have a tradition of reading all of the Psalms every week. I've even heard of some that read them all every day, uh, which just blows my mind because there are quite a lot. But there are so many that speak to us. Psalm, the 23rd Psalm that you probably know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, right? It's a, a, a Psalm that talks about the journey of life. It's honest about the valley of the shadow of death, but about how God is with us even then. It's so beautiful. There's Psalms that offer a assurance when we need it. Psalm 46 is one of my go-tos, especially if we have any uh, former Lutherans amongst us, you probably know that one. God is my refuge and strength strength. Next time you're having a hard time, a true struggle, think about that. God is your refuge, the place you can go to hide from your trouble and to, to be sheltered from it. God is your refuge and your strength to get through, to help you through to the other side. But there are some Psalms, and I'll give you a fair warning here. Most of the Psalms have a tendency to take you to the pit of despair before you get to that hopeful place. Most of them start with at least some happiness and some praise toward God, but they're very, very honest about the realities of life and how difficult it is. But pretty much always, maybe even 100% of the time, I've never counted, 
the Psalms then come back around to say, even though it's hard, I will stay with you, God. Now, I chose today's Psalm, Psalm 30, uh, because it puts into words perfectly this tendency to look, this, 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 this desire to look for God's goodness even in the midst of hard times. Now, you know me, Mitch read it so well a few minutes ago, but I always like to read it again uh, so that we can hear, uh, have, a, have even more of a chance for something to stand out to us. I exalt you, Lord, because you pulled me up. Well, now look, that's enough right there, right? Whoever, the, the, the psalmist apparently needed to be pulled up. He was down. I exalt you, Lord, because you pulled me up. You didn't let my enemies celebrate over me. Lord, my God, I cried out to you for help. You healed me. Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You brought me back to life from among those going down to the pit. You who are faithful to the Lord, sing praises to him. Give thanks to his holy name. His anger lasts only for a second, but his favor lasts a lifetime. I always think of God's anger as being like that of a parent. You know, the parents among us, you're never more angry than when your child almost hurts themselves, right? <laughs> That's the kind of anger that I think God shows. Weeping may stay all night, but by morning, joy. When I was comfortable, I said I will never stumble. Because it pleased you, Lord, you made me a strong mountain. But then you hid your presence and I was terrified. Right? So, so in other words, the psalmist, uh, God helped the psalmist to grow. However, there came a moment where God stepped back a little bit. Now, once again, thinking of the journey of a parent, there comes a time when you have to learn to walk and the parent has to take their hands off. Or maybe an even better example is learning to ride the bicycle. You know, when you're learning to ride a bicycle and your parent or, or whoever's helping you takes their hands off, it's a little scary, isn't it? In fact, it's a lot scary. And to be honest, you fall down the first few times. So, but then you hid your presence, God, and I was terrified. I cried out to you. I begged my Lord for mercy. What is to be gained by my spilled blood, by my going down into the pit? I'm still thinking of the bicycle example, but you know it means more than that, right? Does dust thank you? Does it proclaim your faithfulness? Lord, listen and have mercy on me. Lord, be my helper. And now here's the key line, at least to me. You changed my mourning into dancing. M-O-U-R-N, right? You changed my mourning, my grief. You changed my hardships, my struggles. You took everything bad, everything that was happening to me that was bad and difficult, and you turned it into dancing. You took off my funeral clothes and dressed me up in joy so that my whole being might sing praises to you and never stop. Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Now that's, that's really beautiful, isn't it? And in it, I think, is implied a promise that God does the same for us. That there are times when God does take his hands off so that we can learn to ride that bicycle on our own, even though it terrifies us. It doesn't deny the struggles of life, but it also implies that promise that God will always take the hardships and turn them into good things. So how do we do it? 
That's the million dollar question, isn't it? Okay, that's great, but how do we do it? When we're actually in the moment, when we're actually in the moment when we're terrified, when the hardships are overwhelming us, when God has stepped back a little bit, how do we do it? How do we get there? We, we, we trust the promise that God will turn our morning into dancing, but how do, we, how do we allow it? How do we stop clinging so tightly to our struggle? How do we stop clinging so tightly to our hardship? that we allow God to help? Or to put it another way, how do we take our troubles and give them to Jesus? Now obviously prayer can help with this. You know, it, it takes a little bit more than a simple now I lay me down to sleep. It takes a little more than that. Sometimes we pray with our whole selves, with our whole bodies. Sometimes it's the prayer of an entire season of our life, but certainly that helps. You know, for me, uh, as many of you know, a lot of my inspiration for ministry comes from Fred Rogers, um, from Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, and for the younger among us, the, crea the, uh, the creator of Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, its new one. And his songs are so simple, yet they have a tendency to say these things, these things that, that grow out of Fred Rogers' faith so well. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he said in an interview once that when he's having a hard time, he often plays piano. And, some, and making music play, right? Playing music is one of the ways that he calms down. But he said in that interview that sometimes when he is truly frustrated, he just takes his hands on the lowest notes of the piano and... Uh. Lyndon, are you back there? Could you give us one? There you go. <laughs> and that helps him to get those frustrations out. Sometimes we have to do that. And from this man of deep faith that was so good at taking his own troubles and playing them to God, comes, the, comes one of his uh, best known songs that was not only on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, but is also a favorite on Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And that is, what do you do with the mad that you feel? I'm gonna put the words on the screen and I, and I want you to, to hear it if you've never heard it before. What do you do with the mad that you feel When you feel so mad you could bite When the whole wide world seems oh so wrong And nothing you do seems very right What do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? Do you round up friends for a game of tag? Or see how fast you go? Now, do you see what he did in that song? Do you see what he did? Leave the words up there. Do you see what he did? He, he used play. He's using play to help through the difficult times. You know, it, it, he's talking about what do you do? Do you punch a bag? Do you pound some clay or some dough? This is what gave us the idea for the Play-Doh, by the way. <laughs> do you round up friends for a game of tag or see how fast you go? For many people, getting up and having a workout, exercising or playing a game of basketball and, and in praying with their bodies is a type of play that helps to let go. Or maybe it's simpler for you. Maybe it's knitting or sewing, or maybe it's coloring. Oh gosh, I am so glad grown-ups have discovered coloring books once again in the past few years. You know, there are so many grown-up coloring books out there. And something about that is so calming. It's a way of playing your troubles to Jesus. 
It's play that helps us to give our problems and our struggles to God. It's play that helps us to let go so that there's room for God's joy to come in once again. Now, it's not the same kind of play we engage in when we are happy. Well, maybe it is in some cases, but not every kind of play does this. But losing ourselves in an act of play does a remarkable amount to move us from depression to joy once again. You know, this afternoon we have our special screening of uh, Mission Joy, a documentary. Uh, If you haven't heard me say it before, you know, there was a a book that was written uh, along with uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu before he passed and uh, the, um, uh, His Holiness the Dalai Lama. Uh, And uh, the book of joy is just incredible. I just finished rereading it and I got the audio book this time. I highly recommend it because they got uh, voice actors that have the same accents as uh, uh, Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, and it is, uh, it is wonderful to hear. And it's amazing how those two men are full of joy despite the immense hardships that they endured. You know, when you hear the stories of their lives with the way uh, Desmond Tutu grew up when he was a child, and when you hear about the struggle against apartheid and the many horrible things that that man saw, To see how full of joy and how full of play he is in his 80s is inspiring. And with the Dalai Lama, similar stories uh, from Tibet and uh, when he uh, fled from it and and the life, the things that he has seen too. Uh, But both men are not only full of joy, but they're downright playful. And they give many answers in the book, and I assume in the documentary we'll see this afternoon too. They give so many reasons for this. One of them is compassion. Now, you might think that comes mostly from the Dalai Lama coming from an Eastern Buddhist tradition, but it's just as true for Desmond Tutu, that compassion, that truly seeing the other, if, if done right, if held in the right way, doesn't drag us down into the pits, but helps us to be joyful. Gratitude is a big part of it. Uh, learning to be thankful for the good even in the midst of the bad. Now, the book in its diligence also talks about the science. You know, gratitude uh, uh, st- uh, may stimulate, stimulate uh, the part of the brain that regulates our stress. But there's something deeper than even just the physiology of it. There's something about that journey of faith, about giving our problems to God, about learning to be thankful even in difficult times, about learning to play that changes something and makes us joyful. You know, I'll tell you, this series has impacted me more than I thought it would. (laughs) I think it's made me a more playful person. It's made me see uh, that when my kids bring me into play, (laughs) when they teach me how to do it, that it makes me happier and that it carries over into the rest of my life too. I tend to take myself too seriously. Surprise, surprise, right? And I'm even more convinced that play is very near the heart of God and an essential part of a happy life at any age, not just an act of faith. But the right kind of play helps us trust our problems and our anxieties and our worries to God. Now, next week, we have the last uh, sermon in the play series, and that is going to be on inciting play. 
<laughs> inciting play about how sometimes God incites us to play even when we don't want to and how it can be a tremendous gift for us in the right way of course empathetically of course learn to invite others to play as well but in the meantime may you go with playful hearts and if you're not quite there then play some low notes on the piano or pound some play-doh and when the time comes that you're able to let go and give it to God, may you know that joy in its fullest too. Would you pray with me? Oh God, thank you for the gift of play. And thank you for all the ways that you give us to lose ourselves in you. Lord, I know that there are some people in this room who are struggling even now who are having a difficult time letting go of their problems. I'm one of them in some ways. Perhaps we all are. Oh God, help us as we lose ourselves in worship this morning. Help us as we lose ourselves in conversation, sometimes playful conversation with one another. May we know that you are there. And may you indeed turn our mourning into dancing. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's Sunday Sermon. For more information on growth groups or how to more fully embrace the life of faith, visit us at www.trinitylincoln.org.